Themyscira, land of swords, spaceships, and now time paradoxes. Hippolyta had radioed ahead that there had been a new addition to the Wonder Family, and that she could use our help untangling some issues with causality. Needless to say, we had some questions. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. All right, there's a lot happening in this episode, <laughs> and we're really not sure why it's happening the way that it's happening. Um, there's some liberal use of Photoshop. Um Harry Potter portraits. It's a whole, just a oh, whole mess of weirdness. I never made that connection, but you're absolutely oh, right. Man. Yeah. So we're doing Wonder Woman today. Um, and we're covering Wonder Woman number 120 to 127. So that actually encompasses the whole year of 1961 and, and one issue into 1962. Remember, these issues uh, for Wonder Woman are coming out bi-monthly. Not like today when you we would have 12 issues that we would cover essentially um, because we have monthly release schedules for books. So back in the Silver Age in the 60s, they were only doing bi-monthly. Um, yeah, so Joanne, we're, gonna, we're just going to jump right in here uh, with Wonder Woman number 120, February 1961. Uh, as Wonder Girl is frolicking and, you know, being just Wonder Girl as she is, uh, a meteor crashes into the ocean near Reno, the Mervoy. Um, and the creature that comes out of the meteor freezes the water in the ocean, and Wonder Girl must save the mermaids and Reno. Uh, in doing so, she, you know, defeats the creature, and uh, she waits several years until she is Wonder Woman for another meteor creature to return. And this time, the meteor creature is fire-based, and she has to fight him and save Steve. Uh, from being destroyed in a volcano lots of saving her you know potential bows in this uh series of uh issues that we're going to cover here in 1961 um unfortunately i feel like reno out steve by a wide margin um because he does increasingly creepy things like holding on to wonder girl and wonder woman and being like you must love me you you've gotta you wouldn't have done this if you if you you know would didn't love me or like literally holding on to her and making it hard for her to like swim in certain instances i'm like you're actually endangering her life like steve is an idiot and he's sleazy and like manipulative but Preventing Wonder Girl from, like, swimming is actually dangerous. So, I'm going to disagree with you on the level of skeeviness, but I think that's also because I weight Steve's manipulativeness as worse than Reno being uh, dangerously interfering. But, no question, th these are not the best versions of the, of the characters oh, that God, we've no. seen. No yeah, and I just I rate potential death higher than being a sleaze bag. It's <laughs> kind of my rating system. Is like you could kill her and yourself. Steve is at least like not putting her in any danger he he knows she can't handle. He's like I said, he's manipulative and conniving versus Reno is like you could kill both of you by doing this. One thing that I'm just going to point out here and it's something I'm probably going to touch on a little more later on is that 
one of the differences that comes from the different versions of Wonder Woman that we see, her as Wonder Girl versus her as Wonder Woman, her with Reno versus her with Steve, is that Wonder Girl is more physically vulnerable isn't the right word because it has connotations uh, that are kind of gendered. But I would not say vulnerable is as... fine because she's younger. Yeah. Uh, fr- from the perspective of she doesn't have as much superpowers uh, or more accurately, her superpowers aren't as super and she faces uh, threats that feel more dangerous and more real uh, in that way. She's absolutely more vulnerable in the era of being Wonder Girl. And as much as it's weird to have Reno being contributing to that, I think it does bring out the the physical stakes a little more. And that's one of the things that I love about the Wonder Girl stories is that she feels not necessarily outmatched, but she doesn't feel like uh, an unconquerable archetype like Wonder Mm. Woman does. So I I should hold it more against him, but I don't. Well, and again, readers, we're not going to go into detail about what Reno is actually doing, mainly because it's just bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's not really plot relevant. It's just he's being an annoying, nice guy trademark. Um He's just, why don't you love me? I'm doing all these things so that you'll love me. You should love me. Why won't you do this? You know, please spend time with me. You don't come and talk to me. It's like, all right, shut up. Leave her alone. And he's the worst. The more boy is the worst. And so is Steve. Um, We're going to move on to Wonder Woman number 121, April 1961. Wonder Girl watches herself in the future, Wonder Woman, save the day and then is inspired to go train when uh, Reno again just annoys her and they end up in what is essentially like a lost world scenario underwater, kind of like that hollow earth crap that the Flash deals with a lot. I wonder why. It's just sci-fi bullshit that they have to recycle. Um, And Reno gets in trouble with dinosaurs and Wonder Girl has to save him. Meanwhile, back on paradise island hippolyta flies an x-wing to stop plutonians from taking over the planet the best part of this story she fights one of them on a light bridge it's so good in space with a sword queen hippolyta mvp queen queen hippolyta for all time it's just it's the weird they have like an amazon space force air force type thing they've got like weird like babylon 5 ships it's nuts i don't know where they pulled this shit out of but please more hippolyta kicking ass and then, like, Wonder Girl shows up and she's like, we fought dinosaurs. And Hippolyta's like, I saved the planet. And she's like, wow, mom, your day was weirder than mine. And she's like, yeah, go play with your friend. Um, no, she's not that mean. It's just like, it's kind of like Wonder Girl's whole adventure is completely less cool when your mom saves the planet in space when fighting an alien robot monster on a light bridge with a sword. Wonder Woman number 122, May 1961. Wonder Woman battles the seer of Saturn who is basically just an alien from Saturn, um, who has a grudge against her when she stopped him from overthrowing the planet in an issue that never happened, essentially. It's just a flashback that, you know, meanwhile, you know, in between the months that you weren't reading this comic, Wonder Woman saved Saturn from this guy. Um, He hatches a plan, essentially, by using a giant mecha Wonder Woman to get her to come to Saturn, and through various means of time manipulation, makes her Wonder Girl um at a certain point to like challenge her he's like oh i bet you can't do this as wonder woman and she does it he goes well i bet you can't do this as wonder girl and then she does it and then he goes well, i bet you can't do this as wonder tot first appearance of wonder tot 
named appearance of Wonder Tot, I should say. We've seen Wonder Woman as a baby before, but this is now officially Wonder Tot, which is two-year-old Wonder Girl, two-year-old Wonder Woman. Um, I'd go like three. Yeah, old enough to be able to like stand and speak better than some like other babies we've seen in comics but maybe that's just because she's wonder woman we don't know not important tiny baby wonder woman beats mecha wonder woman that's the end of the story punchline she beats the seer of saturn goes back to normal and now we have a third incarnation of wonder woman which is wonder tot so now there's three different types of stories that can happen in a wonder woman comic um, you can have a Wonder Girl story, a Wonder Woman story, and a Wonder Tot story. Because we needed that. And that's really what the fans wanted, was baby Wonder Woman. And one of my favorite things is that her introduction is, like, right after the whole, like, Wonder Family issue. Like, they, they, they like, splash text it as that. Like, it's the whole Wonder Family of the three of, uh, the two versions of uh, Wonder Woman and then Hippolyta have, like, their own scenes. And it's the one Wonder Family adventure. And then the very next one, they introduce a new member. Yes, very confusing to, to brand the thing before it as the family and then not include Wonder Tot in that story. But... You I know, honestly wonder not... if they just hadn't figured it out by that point. <laughs> it's entirely possible, but, you know, we're not Robert Kaniger, and we also know that we can write better than Robert Kaniger. Um, I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but also, like, come on, man. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to move to Wonder Woman number 123, July 1961. Wonder Woman looks through a photo album of moving pictures with her mother to relive some memories that she has of being Wonder Girl and Wonder Tot. And the pictures move like kind of tiny photos that like are movies. If they press buttons on the pictures, they play these like weird tiny home movie film things, which really (laughs) reminds me of a Dragon Ball Z abridged quote when Frieza is telling Vegeta about when she, she, they, Frieza, conquered the saiyan planet and vegeta just says after the flashback how did you know about the parts you weren't there for and that's all i could think about was this was like how is her mom recording these movies when she's not in every single situation who's recording wonder woman wonder girl wonder tot and all these situations where's the camera it's very bizarre anyway they're looking through these photos and reliving fond memories. And then this is the one that fucking gets me. And I'm mad about this. And this is going to be the start of some really weird time travel shenanigans that I am not going to drop. Um, there is a picture of Wonder Woman that she does not recognize. It's oh, a picture yeah, of one. herself that she doesn't understand because she doesn't know what's happening in the picture. So somehow through technology, they put her in the photo And she's transported to some sort of, like, hostile, post-apocalyptic, Salvador Dali, like, abyss. Yeah. Like, like, you know the melting clocks painting? It's just a bunch of shit in the middle of a wasteland that tries to kill her. Inanimate objects, like a chair and a rug. And that's just, like, in nothing. And it it goes nowhere. The story goes nowhere. We have no un- we don't know why the stuff tries to kill her. She just gets out of the, the predicament, and she's like, "Wow, that was fucked up." And everyone's like, "Yeah, you almost died from like furniture and architecture and stuff." And she's like, "That was weird." Guess we know what that memory is. And I'm like, "No, no, we don't." How did you record this? How did you record this? One, it was inside the picture. Two, 
We're not going to follow up on why there was a hostile picture in this photo album that tried to murder you? Is that not a plot point that's going to be relevant at some point? Like, the first two made sense. It's like, oh, look at these cool Wonder Wonder Girl adventures. Also, Wonder Woman's adventure is inside the photo realm where everything is trying to kill you. What kind of eldritch horror nonsense is that? Like, what the... uh, I'm going to get angrier about the time paradoxes that occur in this stretch of issues very soon. So just so we're going to go to Wonder Woman number 124, August 1961. Wonder Woman and her mom uh basically photoshop a bunch of stuff now the the premise is wonder woman and steve rather diana and steve go to an island where there's some caves and one of the soldiers that's with them finds a bunch of cave paintings that looks like wonder woman hippolyta wonder girl and wonder tot wrangling a t-rex and wonder woman's like huh that's weird goes to paradise island and says like, hey mom, a bunch of fans have been wanting to see more stories of me, Wonder Tot, and Wonder Girl in the same picture. Too bad that can't happen because time paradoxes, right? And her mom's like, well, we could do this. And then like, they splice old film reels together to make it look like Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl are in the same film. And then they do it with like Wonder Tot and Wonder Woman. And then they're like, what if we just do this? And like a bunch of hand wavy bullshit happens. And then we're in the middle of this fake movie that they make of Wonder Tot, Wonder Woman, Wonder Girl and Hippolyta trying to deter this living projectile from landing on Paradise Island, which they then refer to as multiple man. Now, Mm -hmm. that's going to be important because I'm going to bring that shit back up because that doesn't make any fucking sense. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Now, they fight multiple man multiple times it's a character that when he dies he comes back to life with new power so he doesn't really die exactly and every time they beat him something different happens he has new powers they must overcome these new these new trials they send him back to the past and then he threatens a bunch of cave people as a t-rex because he can turn into whatever the fuck he wants i guess and then wonder woman hippolyta wonder girl and wonder tot wrangle the t-rex and save the cave people from being killed that's cool great thing two problems with this story first of all that didn't happen that's a fake movie apparently that wonder woman and her mom made so that doesn't exactly explain how that painting got on the cave because it's fake so what secondly multiple man is Multiple man is from the challengers of the unknown. Mm. He's their nemesis. They fought him for like four issues. He's the guy who like drinks a potion and when he dies, he gets new powers and they're stumped every time he gets new powers. And then he just like gets one power and realizes, oh shit, if I die in the next one, I die for real. And the next power he gets is being super smart so he can make a bunch of different inventions to combat the fact that he now no longer has new powers go back and listen to the challengers of the unknown episodes that we do we do a whole bit on this guy i like him as a villain but i guess he's just a thing in this fan fiction movie that they make they make their own fan film about themselves to explain away a genuine phenomenon that wonder woman and steve encounter and it doesn't explain it because it never really happened what did Kaniger forget that this was a fake story? 
Yeah, I think so. Ugh. Or oh, time paradox. Or is I, me want, mad. I wonder if the framing device was going to be a different. Like they actually brought all the different versions of the characters together, and then the artist did it differently, or. Maybe there was some breakdown in communication. I don't know. I, I, but you're, I you're know. right. That is 100% a plot hole that I did not catch. Uh, anyway, Wonder Woman 125, October 1961. Reno and Steve fight over Wonder Woman for who they want the affection of. This is adult Reno, by the way. So he's just like yoked and like super handsome, I guess now. Um, Meanwhile, Wonder Woman is swept off her feet by Galahad, the fictional knight who comes out of a UFO. That's not weird. We're not going to balk at that, right? Um, as he re- appears and courts Wonder Woman, much to the chagrin of both Steve and Reno, who are like, this is clearly not real, right? And she's like, fuck it, he's cute. Um, we find out that he's like an amoeba creature that has been trying to court Wonder Woman to get him on get her onto his spaceship to so that she's not on planet so they can take over the world because it's like everyone forgot Superman existed. Like, yeah, another thing I'm going to go into in the summary here. So basically Steve and Reno are like, this shit's weird. Wonder Woman sends out like a telepathic signal. Please destroy the ship. They've taken me hostage. And Reno and Steve destroy three UFOs. Body count three for those two boys. I'm going to say... I'm going to say just Steve because he was piloting. Steve is the one that did the yeah, thing. Yeah. He he was in most control. Reno was along for the ride. Okay. It's not like Reno was a gunner. You know, he's not Luke and, you know, uh, Steve is Han here. This isn't a joint effort. Steve's, Steve's behind the controls. I'm going to say it was Steve mostly the whole time, especially because Steve's the one that we've ca- canonically seen frequently killing. Reno has not ever killed anything to our knowledge. Be strange to start now. Um, they, they they destroy uh, these things in the invisible jet, and then the the Amazonian space force shows up and rescues Wonder Woman, and she's like, "Thanks everybody, I appreciate all the help." And they're like, "Hey, now that you've been rescued, uh, which one of us do you love?" And that's how the issue ends. He's immediately right back to bickering after they were like, "You're not such a bad guy. Neither are you. We're going to save the woman we love and maybe die trying." And I'm like, "Oh, cool. Now they're friends." Oh, nope, just kidding. Can't have conf- can't can't not have conflict. I guess. Um. I don't know that there are any stories focusing on Wonder Woman, on Wonder Woman specifically, in this sequence that I enjoy. No. There are some that I mind less, but mostly because they're shorter, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're coming up on my least favorite from this sequence, and that's because they're starring Wonder Woman instead of Wonder Girl or Wonder Tot. Yeah. It's, it's soon, uh, the issue after this. Wonder Woman number 126, November 1961. Wonder Tot recounts a day of fighting a dragon and befriending a genie to explain how she got a golden apple and a barrette made of real actual star diamonds. That's a thing that happens. Um, she just recounts the tale to her mother, who's like, where have you been all day? And she's like, out. And she's like, what have you been doing? She's like, nothing. Where did you get these fantastic items? Oh, from the dragon and the genie. And she's like, um, What? And that was kind of cute. It, um, it felt very much like uh, Kitty's fairy tale. Yeah, it was also like a Saturday morning cartoon thing. Yeah. Starting like at the end of the story and going back and be like, well, what happened was... Um, second story in Wonder Woman number 126. Steve asks out Wonder Woman on a date and she tries to impress him as Diana Prince. 
um, to make him want to be with Diana Prince. And he doesn't see it because he's been staring at the sun too long like a fucking idiot. Because he's been sunbathing. And she's just exasperated that he's such a meathead. Um, Wonder Woman number 127, January 1962. Happy New Year. Aliens from a planet called Topsy-Turvy attempt to steal the holiday college girls. Remember them? Etta Candy and all the other gals that don't matter that never come back? Um, who are doing weird... Now, to be fair, I've seen some of these things been done, done before, but like publicity stunt, like Guinness Book of World Records kind of things, like how many people can we stuff into a phone booth kind of a thing. And the topsy-turvy people, they're only topsy-turvy because they like walk on water and swim on land and sleep on their heads. It's stupid. It, they look like the Great Gazoo from mm. Flintstones. And yeah. Yeah, you're welcome, Hanna-Barbera fans. That one's for you. I'm going to pull those references out of nowhere because I'm on fire. Um, they just It's weird. They try to the, These aliens try to steal the holiday college girls for reasons unknown other than just those look like a bunch of people that we could steal. Wonder Woman stops them and they're like, we got to get the hell out of here. These people are crazy. And that's the end of the story. Um, last story that we're going to cover, uh, Wonder Woman number 127. Um Steve dreams that he marries Wonder Woman after suffering head trauma. And the the marriage is just awful. And he he envisions scenarios that I can imagine don't exactly make any sense. Because that's not who Wonder Woman is. Um, essentially getting bogged down by paparazzi and fans who want to um, get Wonder Woman autographs and it takes forever so they can't actually like go on their honeymoon while they're on their honeymoon she spies a woman who's in trouble and she like gives her wedding dress away and then also like makes Steve and her be witnesses to her wedding to, to the young woman's wedding um and then when they get to the house that they're staying at Wonder Woman can't cook so that the food's all gross and then uh, you know while they're at the beach alone she like leaves him to go stop a crisis it's it doesn't make a lot of sense, mainly because we've never seen any of those things happen with Wonder Woman to begin with. Like, we've never seen her get stopped by, like, a swarm of people. And presumably, she'd do this super speed thing where she just signed a bunch of autographs. Because that's Wonder Woman. Also, Wonder Woman would help a young woman crying on the side of the road. That's just mm -hmm. a thing she would do. I don't know why Steve's so bent out. Of, he's not so, bent out of shape about it. He's just frustrated that they, they keep getting waylaid on their honeymoon. He's not mad that she's being a nice person. He's mad that he's actually not getting to enjoy being married to Wonder Woman. Whatever he thinks that means. What, presumably lots of wonder sex. And a home-cooked meal by Wonder Woman. And when he's like, why is the food all terrible? She's like, you never asked if I could cook. And I call bullshit on that. Because... I guarantee if Wonder Woman has lived as long as she has, she's cooked something. Not because, not that she needs to have known how to cook to be a good wife. Because after she can't cook, Steve says, I'll cook everything from now on. Don't worry about it. Which I thought was marginally progressive for Steve to say. I agree with you to some degree. The key thing for me is that it's it's the way he responds. Uh, yes. And honestly, like I was surprised that you said that you read it as like he was legitimately offering to uh like happily isn't the right word but just like don't worry i'll take care of food from now on because i read that as no i don't trust you in the kitchen woman kind of situation like and that's that's uh, entirely possible uh, to read it that way yeah, yeah. 
it's he's it, not a he's not a kind man in the story. Yeah, and that's the thing I keep coming back to is the story it the things that Wonder Woman does in here are a little a little misbelievable, a little bit believable, sort of in that range of oh, this is like a little off kilter but not terribly so. But the way that Steve reacts to them is just completely shitty and oh yeah it it actually fits well with the dream logic of well okay the situation may not make sense but it's really revealing how people react to it uh so here's the line never mind honey i'll do the cooking or we'd starve yeah yeah yeah, you're right this is one of the reasons that i have so much trouble thinking at all well of steve in these stories even or even if it's just like relative to Reno, this is one of the reasons I keep putting Reno a little bit a, a fair ways above. Uh, and he's just always resentful. I feel like this story, he is resentful that she is not his dream. And to me, I kind of I, I'm re- I read into it as much as I possibly could to make it enjoyable. Um, I read it as Steve got, has actually cold feet. That is his a subconscious, his, his subconscious is fabricating bad scenarios for marrying Wonder Woman because he's actually scared of getting married. You know, this is one of those situations where if I had faith in the writers, that oh, would sure, be yeah. oh, that would be a great ass story. Like I would love that story. I would yeah, I would like love I said, I'm reading into it way but, more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not really what's going on. Yeah. It's just Steve's being a shitty dude and revealing how much he doesn't deserve Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, and we all knew that. Um, so a couple things now that we've kind of reached this point. First of all, time paradoxes. What the fuck? Yeah. There's a reason I have a lot of trouble with time travel in comics. It's because of crap like this. Time travel, to me, is a really scary mechanic even in Superman, even in Batman, when he's got that, that dude who hypnotizes him back into the past and Superman time travels back by flying the, the reverse direction, all that crap. It just raises more questions. Questions that never need to be asked. Unless your whole thing is about time travel. Now, if time travel is a narrative convention to just give yourself plot, that's the worst kind of time travel. Unless... You're doing Back to the Future. You have to be really good to rescue yourself from those contrivances. Yeah, but when time travel is the thing that your whole comic is about, like, say, Rip Hunter or in the Time Masters or stuff like that, I don't have a problem with it because that's the thing that they do. So it's going to get weird. It's going to get, you know, crazy and squiffy and all sorts of nonsense with the time travel. If it's just a thing that you're doing to give the character something to do, don't do it. Because then you're going to end up with a story that you started with, like, wouldn't it be weird if, like, Wonder Woman was in, was in caveman time saving them from a dinosaur? And then you're going to forget that you wrote the fact that it's fake, and now you have this weird, unexplained thing that you don't know how to write yourself out of that you've just said happened? Don't do it. Now, we're also going to get some other questions here. How come they didn't stop World War II? So, Wonder Tot grows up in a, well, let's just generously say, the 1920s. Let's, 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 no, we'll even, we'll even, let's say that Wonder Woman, as an adult, is 20, anywhere between 25 and 30. Yeah, I believe, I agree with that. 25 or 30, which means 1935, 1940, 
when Wonder Tot was around? Amazons can see the future with their stupid television. Why haven't they stopped a bunch of things from happening, like literally anything? They spend all their time watching Wonder Woman grow up in the future and the past or what have you because that's what they have to do. Why aren't you stopping massive tragedies? And it's worth noting that this is also a version of uh, Themyscira that isn't bound by the non-interventionism that we sort of see in a lot of the modern origin stories of yeah. Wonder Woman. We there's none of that and the on, I found this incredibly telling. The only time that we see what we at least now think of as the role of Wonder Woman and I I can't remember if it's her origin at this point as well. The idea of going out into man's world, or at least the greater world outside, and bringing forth like the virtues that the Amazons embody and try to make real. Uh, the only time that happens in all of these stories, and I think all of the stories before this too, is the Saturn flashback where Wonder Woman decides to, or rather the Amazonians in general, help to uh, save the uh, democratically elected leader of Saturn from a despotic coup. Yeah. That's Which the only the seer time. of Saturn, yeah. Yeah, but we really just have, by and large, Wonder Woman as the defender of the status quo. And, I mean... It just makes the Amazons look really frivolous. Yeah, that, that's one of the dangers of... There are a couple of superpowers and super tech things that will just always get me wondering you didn't really think about the implications of this did you time travel is right at the top super speed is another big one uh precognition uh any kind of cheaply available electronics uh, or uh, energy oh, sources yeah. and it's yeah. and it's just a thing that really gets my goat because it's these are really complex ideas and I'm not saying that you, like I said, I'm not saying you can't have these things in your comic. You just have to be really careful because they're complex and they raise questions. You have to think about everything that's going to come after this. And I know it's the 60s. They're just trying to make money. They're just trying to keep come up with ideas because they don't know if their comics are going to disappear today, tomorrow, the next week or whatever because of the comics code. I get it. They're just trying to make money. But at a certain point... When the novelty of time travel is a thing, the idea that it's a novelty wears off when Superman's doing it all the time. You have to realize that there's precedent and company-wide examples of it being done in different ways. Check with the writers of the different books. You know, oh, are you doing time travel? How are you doing it? Oh, I'm doing it like this. Just brain trust it. If you're all coming up with a consistent way of doing it, then I don't have a problem with it. But this is also, again, now that I mentioned Superman, everyone in every one of these comics, be it Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, uh, Wonder Woman, or whatever, everyone talks about their character as if they are still the only character that exists on the planet. Mm -hmm. this except is, when it's convenient to bring in a different character. Except when it's Superman and he needs a buddy to help him gaslight Lois Lane. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense, especially two to three years into JLA, 
like there's no there's I'll, I'll give a pass the first year of JLA happening because these plots have been probably plotted out for a while. You can't go back and re-edit this stuff. This is what the story is. That If JLA and Wonder Woman number whatever is coming out at the same time and says that, oh, she's the most powerful individual in the world the same day that we see her fighting next to Superman, but it's like JLA number one, I give that a pass. JLA number 14, you're still talking about Wonder Woman as if she's the only character on the planet that like, oh, if we remove Wonder Woman, we can invade Earth. Mm. No, you've still got at least Martian Manhunter to deal with. It's one of the reasons that I like the Wonder Girl stories, by and large, as much as I do, is because with smaller with smaller stakes and more personal stakes, it's it's so much easier for me to not get hung up on questions like that because the the broader world doesn't matter if it's a giant hey there's a giant eagle or a giant sea monster and it's right here right now and it'll be gone in two minutes. And and I think you're right. I think the Wonder Girl stories are much better in this in this uh, stretch that we look at purely because of that. And it's really interesting to to think that limiting her makes her better. Mm-hmm. Limiting her in the sense, like we talked about, she's not really vulnerable, but she's not as good as she is when she's Wonder Woman when she's Wonder Tot. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like you said, raises the stakes a bit more. Here's the other thing I'll throw out there. We haven't seen any stories that exclusively star Hippolyta, but the times when we do see Hippolyta, it feels like she doesn't her her moments don't suffer from that uh that issue of feeling disconnected from the broader universe because she is already kind of far up the chain whenever she's involved it's her plus the amazonian fleet uh her plus all the the land forces uh dealing with uh multiple man at least right now in the circumstances we've had it feels like because she's already up the chain of command there is less concern in my mind of why didn't she escalate to uh superman she's already got all of the military might of the Amazons. Uh, if she doesn't think she can handle it, then the situation's already out of her control and she only has a limited time to get it back together. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I would love to, to read more Hippolyta stories just in general because she keeps yeah. showing it up as like the coolest fucking person. Yeah, just regal. It keep I keep coming back to like a couple of the panels where it's just like, hang on, I'm going to try to reason with this guy. And then if that doesn't work, then we go to work. But I have to make this attempt first. Yeah. Should we move on to your notes? Uh, yeah, I guess we might as well. Um, let's bring this up. <laughs> for uh, for issue 126, uh, part two, I think this is... I think this was the one where uh, Wonder Woman was trying to get uh, Steve Trevor to care about Diana Prince. I just have written down, meh. I don't care about this relationship. Um, one thing I want to call out. Uh, I'm going to have to think a little more. I'm going to have to be a little more on guard, I think, when reading stories with Merboy. Because you brought up some good points. Uh, I had not thought about the degree to which he is pulling, I guess is the right word. Not not just like... Uh, endangering uh, uh, Wonder Girl, but actively like 
doing the kind of creepy just like holding on thing so i'm gonna need to look for that more carefully but the thing that came to mind at least some of the time at least some of the time he falls into this vein where it's it feels like he is he still thinks it's playtime and that's the issue there's a difference between not reading not reading the situation and physically preventing that person from doing the thing that they're doing yeah and I kind of want to go back and reread older uh, Wonder Girl stories because it feels like, at least at that point, a lot of it was, I guess, more like teen communication issues rather than stepping over lines. But one way or another, not impressed by any of the romance options in any of this. What I am impressed by, though, are there are so many just cool visuals like, we talked about the light bridge that Hippolyta fights on. There's a sequence where Wonder Girl is, like, cutting through a bunch of ice that the uh, the fire and cold monster makes so that the uh, mermaids are able to get through and get out from the water where it is, like, where it is freezing people alive. And she's just, like, skating around on her hands, and it's this cool picture of oh, yeah. all the ice and then the 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 black water that she's cut through uh, the ice to reveal. It just looks fucking cool. And especially the artist, uh, Ross Andrew. Uh, and that's yeah. Andrew, A-N-D-R-U, not Andrew, like, A-N-D-R-E-W, uh, has a predilection for the like three panel time passes thing. Like there's a shot of her skating around and carving one spot in the ice open and then more spots open and a third panel where even more stuff's there. And then there's a bunch of, let me see if I've got another one, her holding on to a, a big old, uh, I think it's like a big glass sphere that she needs to keep plugged into a volcano. And the first shot is like a distant shot of her on top of the sphere and then a closer shot of her pressing it down as she's boiling and then a third shot close up of her agonized as she's holding this in place. And I'm not making this up. In one of the stories, uh, in number 120, there are eight of those little time-passing triptychs. And I love them. Like yeah. most of the stories, most issues, there's only like one of those triptychs. And I just love it. And I think that's one of the things that I think this is one of the few series that we've read where they use the entire, uh, where they have a single story for the entire issue and it works well and they take advantage of the pacing. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that they let some, the art lets some of these moments breathe, and I love it. Yeah, Ross Andrews is, is honestly the best part of these stories, yes. purely because uh, I remember, too, you weren't too fond of the art initially when we started reading these these comics, but I think they've it's come a long way, and I don't know if it's mm-hmm. because it's the same artist from the very beginning or this new artist is, is much better, but honestly, I even found myself going, like, these are actually, like, really nice pages. And to be fair, Ross Andrew can't save Kaniger's writing Mm -hmm. but it can at least put it in a perspective that makes it seem cooler than it really is yeah and I didn't notice these moments as much in the later issues but early on there are just some cool visual moments uh that not just like the spectacle but 
Like I could, there were a couple that I could envision in my head as like cool action scene moment. There's a sequence where Diana is like squaring off with a helicopter while she's standing on top of a Ferris wheel and she, she lassos the helicopter and then tells the person who's running the Ferris wheel to start it. So she's like staring it down. She's getting shot at bouncing it off her bracelets and just pulling it down to the ground as the ferris wheel spins it's just like hell yeah this is this is what i wanted i will say though i generally like the story structure i think the yeah the story of for all that it has the giant plot hole the story of the photoshop like team up i love the structure of it because it wound up being like a three task kind of uh three uh three act structure but mostly like three tasks because it's it starts off uh they work together with multiple man and then uh they think he's destroyed mergirls or uh merboy and wonder girl like stick around in the general area and hang out and then they're the ones on the scene when multiple man starts reconstituting himself in a different form. So they fight him and then they, uh, Hippolyta in order to being the regal, awesome badass that she is, uh, is like, okay, he might come back again. The only way to handle this is like, let me, I will keep him with me. And I like, they form him into bracelets that she wears. And then, so that if anything goes wrong, she is like there on the scene to take care of shit immediately. And then she realizes that it's influencing her behavior. So she goes into the past intending to like take care of it there where it's not going to hurt anybody. And it winds up being this three task, three combat structure. But it doesn't, it's not like the, oh, you get three wishes. It doesn't tell you at the start that there's going to be these three phases. It dynamically forms into this three beat structure instead of it being laid out at the beginning it's not transparent but it still has the strengths of three semi-related sequences across the full length of the issue i just love that i just i was very much a fan of that and it's too bad that it was burdened with that giant fuck off plot hole the idea isn't bad it's just kanniger's execution is poor and like you said, the Wonder Girl stories aren't bad, but the things with Wonder Woman are just, how do we make her Superman, which gives her no real identity as a character in the Silver Age when she is surrounded by men who do the exact same things as her. Mm-hmm. But the Wonder Girl stories plant her on Paradise Island, which give her a location that no one else can be at with problems that only she can solve because of her interaction and relationship with with merboy mm-hmm. she's the only person who could solve this problem in the way that she's solving it and it's because she's learning how to do it is what makes it interesting it's it actually did surprise me that it went from every story being fundamentally wonder family focused to the last three stories that we covered being entirely wonder woman focused it yeah I don't know if that was just a quirk of the timing, but it felt like it went full Doiby Dickles early on where oh, yeah, once yeah. the family was introduced, it's just every every issue. They are an integral part. They are part of the status quo to 
well, I guess let's go back to some real Wonder Woman stuff. And I'm like, no, don't, please. (laughs) Speaking of various versions of Wonder Woman, um, this was something that bugged me. Correct me if I'm wrong, because my memory is not the best. I didn't think to look this up beforehand. When Wonder Girl was introduced, it was a big deal that she was given a costume to match her future. Correct? Yeah, we had a whole we had a whole story about her getting the pieces of her costume. And it bugged the ever-loving hell out of me that Wonder Tot is basically wearing a child's version of the outfit. Yeah, it's a shrunk-down version of Wonder Girls. Yep. And I get it. It makes sense. If you're especially if this character is going to be recurring, you want this character to look like the older versions. You want that visual continuity between the three versions, especially since the first time we see her is literally like a de-aged version of Wonder Woman. Yeah, but this is the continuity nerd thing. Yep. Oh yeah, and this is, is one of the ones that bugs me. We had we had a whole friggin' story about this, and now her baby versions just got one. Yep. Where was that? Why couldn't you tailor that outfit? Also, when did they start shortening Diana Prince to just die? There was a I I think this might yeah. have only been in the one story because Steve I don't... calls her die. Yeah. Yep. And like that is all he calls her the entire course of the issue. I mean, it's uh, a legitimate nickname for Diana, but still. oh yeah, but it's not anywhere else. It's like I don't know if they were just trying it out or if Kaniger forgot. I don't know. I also agree. I am super glad that, uh, going like 20 steps back in the conversation, I'm so glad that they don't over baby Wonder Tot. That she mm-hmm. doesn't she doesn't talk like baby Superman. She talks like baby Superman plus two years. Yeah, she doesn't talk like Super Baby does where he's like, me, I'm good at flying. Mm-hmm. I really want to go back to... Green Lantern specifically for the Carol and Hal relationship for whatever amount of screen time that gets because the thing that stood out when I thought about it a little more in relation in comparison to Lois and Clark, Lois and Superman, Carol and Green Lantern in the Green Lantern persona, Steve and Wonder Woman and to a degree Wonder Girl and Merboy, there's always someone is trying to Someone is trying to beat the other person. Someone is trying to defeat the other person. It's an outmaneuvering thing. It's let me prove that I'm better than you. At least when Merboy is written at his best, it's let me prove myself to you. Whereas with those other characters, with Steve, it's let me connive you into this situation. I'm that was one of the that's one of the things that I like about Carol and Hal's relationship is it's clear they are both trying to they're both trying to not just convince, but almost like push their view of how their relationship should be on the other person. Uh, Carol, that you need to respect, or you need to deal with the fact that I am separate from you until my dad gets back from his vacation. And how that, hey, that doesn't have to change who we are and our relationship. They're both in contention in that way, both trying to sway the other person but they're not trying to maneuver the other person. They're not trying yeah. to beat the other person. Hal's not trying to get her to give up being in charge of Ferris. Mm-hmm. He just wants her to admit that she likes him. Yeah. He's never trying to take her down a peg. Yes. You know, he's never trying to make her not his boss. He never he never wants her to not have her position. Mm-hmm. He just wants to have her. 
I have to I have to call this out because this is just one of the things that I try to make sure that we don't gloss over. Uh, I'm definitely a little annoyed by there's the story where she's rescuing the genie, uh, where Wonder Girl, Wonder Tot is has the adventure with the genie, and the genie is like the bumbling, powerful genie. Yeah. Uh, and she has to save him a couple times, and it's. I mean, it always feels a little weird when you have the story about the white kid, especially the white child, uh, being the one who saves the day for the uh, powerful, bumbling Oriental figure. It feels a little weird. It's not the worst thing, but it feels a little weird. And Is Oriental the term, or is it Asian? Well, Oriental, specifically in this case, way, I am trying to... Uh, reference the idea of orientalism where it's that concept of oh the the magical east the ah. the tokenized uh, tokenization isn't the right word but uh, th- yes exactly that the fetishization of the east meaning in this case both the middle east and uh east asia and somewhat uh south asia as well uh i use the term oriental there specifically to reference the history of uh, of fetishization of racism of the hmm, trope isn't the right word uh, eh, maybe, uh, of harmful tropes of the magical Easterner uh, and also in the first story in issue 127 like all of the jokes throughout the uh, topsy-turvy story are about Etta's weight yeah it sucks Jesus I forgot yeah, and it's all the holiday girls are just making fun of her and her weight and telling her to stop eating. And and Etta is drawn, I will say, particularly less heavy than she was in the Golden Age. Mm-hmm. She does not look nearly the same at all. And for them to just keep harping on a woman's weight is also super fucked up. Yeah. Um. One last thing to... Oh, no. I need to cover that one as well. One last, like, serious thing to close the loop. Uh, Remember last episode uh, with Aquaman, we were blown away by who the writer was. And I've actually already forgotten. Was it... uh, Finger? No. No, it was the guy who was doing um, Martian Manhunter. Yeah, and I can't believe I don't remember the name because that just blew me away. It... This, I think, is another example of how much the story that you're telling determines how good you are at telling it sometimes, because I think there's just, um, I was actually really pretty enjoying, like, the stories 120 through, like, through 125-ish, and then the last two issues just cratered. I had no fun with those. It really brought home how much uh, Kaniger's writing is so much better in the context of here's a rel- a little more lighthearted personal story with Wonder Tot or Wonder Girl, and then the moment that it's about Wonder Woman again, it's just all right. This is not playing to your strengths at all, my man. And one thing that I noticed that I just have to, it was too good not to. For those of you who know your uh, Greek mythology, 
in the letter column for one of these issues. I think this was one of the only good things that came out of the second half of issue 126. In the letter column, someone asked if Heracles was related to Hera. You know, like, start of first uh, half of that word is the same. And the response is, his only relation to Hera was in earning her enmity. Yep. <laughs> and that's why, because that was his only relation to Hera. That's amazing. Uh, I just have written, buddy, understatement much. But yeah, I think that is everything that I've got today. Okay, recommendations. I All right, I've fallen down this weird hole with this game called Cultist Simulator. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a eldritch horror, random sort of creati- creation game, randomization game. Um, it's played with cards, and it's on Steam. It's on on your PCs. Um, but it's a it's like a, a card game where your character essentially continues to find the secrets of this like ancient mysterious, you know, order, and can lead a cult. Uh, to discover the mysteries of this magic now there is no tutorial for this game so the only way to learn how to play it is to literally just die a bunch of times and by by die i mean lose the game via collecting too many dread cards because if you dread the horrors of the things that you have seen you go mad and crazy or you could you know forget to earn money because food costs money and in your search for the vast unknowing you forget to feed yourself because you're an idiot um and you could die of hunger or get killed or arrested by the bureau of you know arcane investigations or what have whatever it's called every time you lose because you can name your character the next character you play somehow gets the notes from your previous character to spark their journey onto diving into this horror so one of the things was you know i was playing a character i lost I was like, nah, shit. Okay. So I started another character, made that character's name, and realized that the notes, like, it was like, oh, you can play as what a class called a bright young thing. And I was like, oh, like, you're supposed to be like a hoity-toity, like, you know, rich kid. Cool. All right. I'll play as that. Because like, you get, like, you know, menial labor job, doctor, policeman, bright young thing have been the kind of the, the classes I've been able to play as right now. It kind of changes every time you you lose. Um, or depending upon the the situations in which you lose so the bright young thing is like oh i get a bunch of money because i'm rich and then oh no my father's died and his estate has passed to me whatever shall i do and you get like a bunch of money because of course you have no job and then it says your father's notes and it's Hmm. the name of the character that i wrote so it was like so and so's notes i was like oh that's funny and like if you open them, it starts your character down the path or you can resist the temptation to open the notes and, you know, not fall down the same crazy path that your father has. Or like if you die from starvation, you can be a doctor and the doctor's like, oh, a patient was brought in today dying of malnutrition. This is their name. <laughs> and it's the name of the character that you wrote. And oh, I was that's like, that's neat. Cool. It's actually like really interesting how they kind of weave your characters in and out of that. And I really appreciate that. And it's kind of fun. Um, I like it so much. I've been writing journal entries as characters now and I'm putting them on my Twitter. That's um, awesome. It's yeah. fun and weird. And also just like, why did I decide to do this? Oh, well, um, but it's a, it's a fun game. Um, and it's really interesting. It's taxing my patience because there's no tutorial. Mm. 
but I have started actually making my own like guidebook for it. Nice. So I like it enough to take notes. <laughs> and I and I like the music a lot. I just like the feel of the game. Um it just requires you to sit down and be like, "Okay, what does what?" I suggest people check it out. It's a small company that made it uh called The Weather Factory. Um really cool. I like it a lot. Um check it out. I've got a half-assed recommendation this week. <laughs> Is it DBZ? I mean I mean, I could go there. That's the thing. Like, this has been a week where I ha- the past two weeks I haven't really like done any or watched like new stuff. I've been playing uh, Dokkan Battle still. Uh, it's the DBZ uh, RPG card thing. Uh, I've been we've been watching. Uh, we watched some Black Mirror, which is basically the only like new thing that I've done over the last little while. I've seen a like one or two episodes of Black Mirror. So this was, we sat down and watched all three of the new episodes. Uh, I guess it was Wednesday night. And yeah, I'll recommend it. Uh, I found that the more I thought about it as like short stories in video form, the happier I was with it. Cause mm. I, I have, because of the discourse, I've sort of come into Black Mirror with some, preconceived notions of oh there's it's just technophobia instead of i I guess technophobia for technophobia's sake uh rather than really looking at tech uh but especially once i let go of those it was just good interesting like uh not variety show uh anthology that's the word i'm looking for it was just good anthology television so yeah yeah Nice. I recommend it. All right. That shall do it for us on this episode. We're moving along at a steady clip. Next is Green Arrow, then Green Lantern, and then The Flash. Nice. Boy, howdy, are we ready? Yes. Um, oh, it'll be fun. Oh, is this, this going to be the episode where we cover uh, Flash of Two Worlds? Oh, yes. Yes. This is what we've been building to. Um, so I'm excited. The closer we get to the flash, the, the closer we, we get to kicking ass and moving even further into the multiverse and really into the DC universe as a whole. Um, so it'll be great and I can't wait to do it. So we're excited and we'll see you next time for Green Arrow. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our time on Paradise Island had come to an end. While my frustration mounted with chronological confusion, we set our sights on what we hoped would be more cohesive stories, and ones that we knew little about. As Star City came into view, we sat back on our seats and readied ourselves for some adventures with the Emerald Archer and his sidekick. <laughs>